Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham. Um, as ever, it's been a dry weekend. Uh, we've had no trouble with the weather, as ever. Um, so we've got, uh, we've got a whole host of cricket games that we'd like to talk everyone through. I'm going to do that with um, uh, Sal Alley um, from North London. Sal, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, nice weekend doing some umpiring and enjoying the sun. So yeah, it's been a pleasant weekend of cricket and uh, watching and umpiring. Super. I heard rumours that from our, our fourth eleven who played North London's fourth eleven, the tea was excellent at North London on Saturday. I just thought I'd pass that on. Um, positive story coming through there, which I always like to hear. Where were you standing yourself? So you studied Actonians and SKLPCC, which I'll talk later on. But yeah, low scoring yeah, affair, if I remember rightly. It was indeed, yes. Um, didn't reflect the wicket, I don't think. It wasn't, uh, you know, sort of any demons in the pitch. Uh, I think just the bowlers seemed to dominate on the day and came out on top. Marvellous. Good, good. We'll hear more about that one later. Um, also, we have a guest on this week. Really pleased to welcome an international cricketer. I think I'm, I'm right in saying that. Um, maybe not for a country that too, too many people know much about in a cricketing sense, but Sean Gomez from Alexandra Parks with us. Sean, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dan. Um, all good. As uh, Sal mentioned, the weather's been good. Um, good weekend. Um, so yeah, Sunday evening, and uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, catching up on the the weekend's cricket. Well, thanks for coming on board. We really appreciate it. And I know you have been busy. Obviously, I alluded there to your international exploits. You, you of course play for Portugal. Um, now, I am going to assume that a lot of people listening to this won't know anything about Portuguese cricket. So, can you give us a bit of a background there? How, when did you start playing? What sort of tournaments did Portugal play? And have you been getting on? Yeah, so um, interesting. I actually um, played against somebody when I was out in the Netherlands, um, who we just, you know, had a chat after the game, and I happened to mention that you know I'm Portuguese and got the passport, and then moved over to the UK, and um, yeah, just got a random text from him one day saying, you know, remember when we had a beer in the clubhouse? You told me you were Portuguese, and I was like, yes. He was like, well, I'm involved with the Portuguese national side. Are you keen to come over and play? And uh, yeah, I first had to obviously, you know, Google to see whether Portugal actually played cricket. Um, and then, yeah, I noticed that there was there was quite a lot happening. And um, I actually knew him and, you know, he was keen to kind of get Portuguese cricket, you know, up and running and, you know, push to try and climb up the rankings. Um, so, yeah, so played in the first what was called sort of Euros uh, of cricket, uh, a T10 competition out in Malaga. Uh, in September of last year um, and then just recently about a month ago played in the World Cup qualifiers the T20 World Cup qualifiers um, out in Brussels in Belgium um, so I've only played the two competitions but good fun um, good to see that you know there's a lot of emphasis on European cricket at the moment I think um, you know the ICC as well as sort of ECC and ECN uh, as it's called um, are doing a lot of work to try and promote cricket within uh, within Europe um, but yeah, really, really good. I've got so many questions about this, Sean. I don't know where to begin. I mean, <laughs> the first one I've got is what, what services are you playing on in, in Brussels and Malaga? Is it is it like a coconut matting thing or are they grass wickets or what, what are they? Um, so it's mat. It's all mat. Um, I think with the number of games played um, on a daily basis, generally it's T20 and T10 cricket. Um, so how it works is that your top 30 ranked nations play one day cricket. Um, so you obviously play you know, either series that you arrange yourself or, you know, registered ICC events, and then you climb up the rankings. So your top 30 will play one-day cricket. Um, generally, you've got less games in between, but your 30 and below will play T10 and T20 cricket. Um, but it's mostly on mat, um, just because of, you know, the sustainability of the surface. Um, so always at a really good venue, um, you know, and they just either put a mat over the wicket or it's just, a, you know, a matting that's, that's been put there before. And I assume mats must be a bit slower, or is that just I, I, is that assumption being the mother of all cock up? Is that is that not the case? Um, I think generally they're quite good, actually. Um, I think what happens is over time the matting obviously thins out a bit, um, and the ball tends to come on a bit better. I think as a batter, it's really good because the spinners don't really turn the ball that much, um, and most of the time the seamers just sort of skids on. Um, so I'm looking at the yeah. sound of this, That's, that sounds great. <laughs> Batter's game definitely. <laughs> And, and T10, now, well, we're going to be playing T1 before long, aren't we, at this rate? But, but what's a good score in a T10? I mean, 100, I guess. Is that a fair U100? Yeah, I think at that sort of level, um, I think so anywhere between sort of 
80 and 120 is kind of a good score. Um, I think in terms of the way, you know, many of the sides approach the game as well, it's kind of, you know, gung-ho from ball one. Um, so, you know, you can you can pick up five quick sick wickets or you can have a side, you know, 30 for two and after the next over, they 55 for two um, and the game's changed completely. But yeah, generally, you know, you aim for 100, 110, 120 is quite a good score. Um, but yeah, completely different format. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a different skill level. Um, you know, you've got a lot of guys who just built to be able to smack the park, smack the ball out the park and then the others that, you know, just struggle to, to nudge it around. I can imagine, yeah. And, and last question on this, although I say I've got loads more. Um, how are we getting on? Are, are Portugal doing all right in this year? Are you one of the better sides? Um, so I think at the moment, Portugal are ranked around 37th, 38th um, in the world. Um, so just behind the likes of um, Spain. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, the, the problem is you only really gain ranking points if you play um, sort of you know, series, but you need to actually host the series yourself. Or sort of come up with a you know schedule, um, and there's no real funding from the ICC for that, so it needs to come from the federations themselves, which is a bit difficult. Um, so generally, we would only play at like you know World Cup qualifiers or you know your T10 competitions, um, whereas some of the sort of bigger federations that have a bit more money will play a lot more cricket throughout the year, um, and are then able to climb sort of the rankings. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I can imagine that money's a bit of an issue. But I do remember hearing a vague story that there was a, there was a German guy who sort of bankrolled the starting up of this league. Is that right? Or, or it was a German guy who, or somebody who married a German lady who then bankrolled yeah. the league. Uh, what was all that about? Australian guy, um, a right. guy by the name of Daniel Weston. Um, so, yeah, he always had the vision to sort of kickstart um, cricket in Europe uh, or sort of promote you know cricket in Europe and um, he's essentially come up with the um, ECN um, which is sort of the European Cricket Network um, and he's now hosting a T10 league in every sort of country in Europe or trying to go to as many countries as Europe to play cricket you know from like Finland, Germany, Italy, Austria, you know Hungary, Bulgaria, um, Portugal um, and I think last year, if I am to be corrected, I think he hosted about over 350 T10 games. Um, wow, that's impressive. Very, very impressive. Everything gets streamed on YouTube. Um, you know, he's got a crew that then he takes from country to country, you know, commentators, uh, panel of umpires, everything gets broadcast on YouTube. And then he also has the sort of Champions League, um, whereby the winners or top two of each country go meet in Malaga again for sort of the Champions League version and then the T10 Euros which is in September in Malaga whereby it's the sort of countries um, I think last year is it Tunbridge Wells I think they actually won it um, the Champions League and then England actually won the um, actual Euros for the first time so uh, all English affair <laughs> interesting interesting um, Sal what do you make of all of this did you, did you know much about Portuguese cricket before we started speaking to Sean no, not at all. I mean, I'm going to quite be shine two weeks ago. I was bugging him for about at least half an hour asking about this um, kind of stuff. I know he's got a background in having played Northampton too. So there is a context behind his career rather than just playing T10 T- stuff. He's had a very good sort of career beforehand. Um, but yeah, I didn't know about this at all, really. Um, I didn't know about Tunbridge Wells. I was sort of following that competition um, last year. I think it's held in Spain, isn't it? They have sort of teams from different nations come and play each other, like club sides. Um, so I think Tunbridge Wells, they, they won the English T20 final that's taking place at the moment in terms of re- regional stages, and they went and represented England at that final competition. And I think there was a really good clip that went viral when the batter's hitting a, a boundary and using the batter as, as a phone, which is quite interesting sort of clip to watch. But yeah, so I've heard about it before in the past, yeah, and followed it sort of briefly. Oh, I can see many a dull Monday morning being wasted going through YouTube clips of Romania versus Azerbaijan now, such as my life on cold winter mornings. Um, great. So I have one last question, actually, about travel. Am I right in saying that you should be on tour at the moment, Sean? Um, so I've heard... Now, the, the AP tour has got an institutional sort of status that's way beyond any other tour I know. Yeah. Um, serious, serious tour. I've heard a lot about it. Obviously, I haven't been to the club for, for too long. Um but I, uh, I was actually telling somebody yesterday at the club, um, I am going to go on tour, but I've heard too many good things, but too many bad things as well. So uh, 
I'll get there. Um, but yeah, the boys are currently out in Margate for their annual tour. Um, they do, uh, I think they do it every year around sort of the, the middle of August, first week of August. Um, they actually had a really good win today against Sandwich. Um, they beat them in a in a one day game uh, by one wicket. Um, so yeah, I'm, I can imagine that tonight will be a big one. Um, but yeah, it's 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 um, it's a week long, and then generally everyone comes back on Saturday morning straight to the game via coach. Um, so yeah, rocking up to the game on Saturday morning, you you always sit you know quietly and wait for the coach to rock up and see what state everyone's in. Um, but yeah, always a always a always a fun game. But yeah, I think it's been. Um, it's been around for a good couple of years now. Um, I think it's one it's of the... It's getting on 70-odd years, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. One, one of the longest-standing tours um, I, I've heard from uh, one of the... It was actually club president, uh, Brian King, I was chatting to. And he was telling me that, um, yeah, they're very proud. Um, everyone meets up early morning outside the club and uh, off they go. Uh, some guys... Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Fun. It sounds really good. I mean, one of the things I've learned about touring as well is you, you've got to go prepared, John. You know, you, you, you've got to know what you're letting yourself in for. Otherwise, um, you know, on such things, do not just Saturday mornings go wrong, but marriages can end. So um, <laughs> you, you, you need to be ready. But it sounds like an absolute institution. So I, I'm sure it I bet the results are stronger towards the beginning of the week rather than the end, are they? Probably do much yeah, better on so- Sunday and Monday. Yeah, so I think the Sunday and the Thursday are generally the stronger sides. Um, oh, and sort of the Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, if I stand to be corrected, um, are slightly sort of weaker sides. Um, but yeah, the Sunday and sort of Thursday are generally the, the big ones. Um, so yeah, boys. Fantastic boys, stuff. Just- good, good. We'll get back to AP a bit later. Um, but we traditionally start um, by talking about life in, in the Prem. And Sal... There have been more surprises. Uh, this sort of predictability we were moaning about a little at the beginning of the season, it's out the window, isn't it? North Mid came a bit of a cropper. They did it against your guys. I, I mean, I'm not saying anything more about it, Sal, but yeah, it would appear so. I thought this could be a potential banana skin. Just just the way you guys sort of play against some of the top sides, you sort of, a um, bit of Jack and Hyde, aren't you, at times, I suppose? Absolutely. But, I think that is really what it is, yeah. But certainly the good side set up on Saturday. Low scoring game. Um, Ben, ben Lewis, who's been, you know, in the last few weeks, really integral to your attack, hasn't he? Taking wickets on a regular basis. And took five for 50. Fergal Walter, fortunately not out for North Middlesex. But, you know, one, two, four, out. it can be defended and it has been in the past. And it looked like it could be a real thrilling finish at one point when you guys were nine take for six. But, you know, you've got Carlos Nunes, who we spoke about earlier on, and he's the ideal man for that sort of situation, isn't he? He sort of kept things calm, um, along with Blake Cullen and Middlesex um, cricketer, who's just playing for battle for you guys. Um, and got the team home for a four-wicket win, which was, uh, I'm sure, well-celebrated at Teddington. Yeah, I, th- I think we have done Teddington a massive favour there, just obviously around the corner. Um, and I, th- I think also, I mean, it's worth noting Ben Ellis there. I mean, he took six against Ealing, and he's taken five here. And the, re- the reason I say that is that you and I, Sal, and most people, we like a fast bowler. We like somebody running in and, and putting it round your ears. It's, it's a fundamental part of the game. It's not what Ben Ellis does. Ben Ellis runs in and just dibbles it a little, dibbles it a lot. You say he opens a bowling for Cornwall. He ain't a bad bowler, but this idea that pace is everything, I don't buy it. And and he's he's wibbling it and wobbling it, and and he's had a really good, really good three weeks in a summer where it's not really set for dibbly dobbly seam bowling, is it? You know, he needs a bit of bit of grass and a bit bit of damp. But um, but he's he's done really well. And I think you know it's good to see bowlers who are not you know express pace also showing that you know you can use the the craft of swinging the ball to make in an impact. Also, one other thing, I think, you know, every club has good players who struggle, right? And, and the question is, what do you do with good players who struggle? How long do you persevere? Um, wh- when, do you, when do you say, like, enough is enough? Well, I don't, don't think Ben Neil Green will mind me saying that he's had, a, he's had a tough summer with the bat, but he was put a bit higher up the order and got 37. And I think that 37 was quite important because it steadied, it steadied the ship there. And, um, and yeah, we, 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 were, we were pretty happy with that. And we, we now go on to play Hampstead. Uh, next week in, in what I think will be quite an interesting game because um, Hampstead result uh, you know Hampstead are, are doing okay but I think that they would like to be a little bit further up the table than they are right? Well Hampstead won the back of a defeat yesterday to Tenenton so um, yeah I'm sure they were looking to get back in the winning trial next week against you guys Tenenton dominates from ball one um, Matt Winter 107 Abhishek Jundra back back into form with some runs scored 58 total of 208 for 4 um, Cam Jackson Hampstead Marathon hero um, hero, he did the seven marathon in seven days a few weeks ago. He's back in the side, made 31. Lunatic, complete struggle. lunatic. I have donated, by the way, Sal. Mad as a hatter. Oh, well, 
Um, Andrew Brewster, who's been one of the sort of signs of the season, I would say, in terms of in bowling department for Tendenton, four for 36. Um, Basha Hassan scored 64, not out, but it was all in vain as Hampstead were bowled out for 162. So, yes, so the flip flopping continues, and that's Tendenton who are back in top spot. Yeah, Hampson, I don't think are, are looking relegation down, you know, in the eye yet. But they're twenty-one points clear. But I think they'll be quite pleased that Richmond came off second best, right? Yeah, Richmond. I mean, they they, they posted a comparative score, um, you know, two-one-two. But I'm sure really ruined the fact they should have scored a lot more because at one point they were in a great position, two hundred five for four. And um, Will Phillips, who I think likes scoring runs against Ealing, scored hundred, and Eddie Bruce was on fifty. But from two hundred five for four, they felt the two-one-two all out. You know, so six wickets for space of seven runs, which is not ideal when you're in that situation where they are in the league. Christian Martin and Munger Ross were four wickets apiece. Um, Christian did speak to me in the week and he did say they are really good or were really bad. Um, and I think the, the good side turned up on Saturday. Um, Luke Stoughton, league legend, leading run scorer. Guy been on the pod a couple of times, 79, not out. Um, ben Gray scored 43. And again, they didn't make it look too easy. There was three down, looking quite comfortable. Then lots of flurry wickets, ended up seven down. But in the end, they just had enough to get them over the line. So Ealing, good little run at the moment. Two out of two in the last two weeks. Hampst- uh, so Richmond are in a bit of a precarious position at the moment in that, in that table position where they're ninth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's odd, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, if you're 60 for six, then 2-12 all out is a real plus And you go into your bowling with your tails up, don't you? But if, if you lose six wickets for six runs at the end, then it completely changes the dynamic of the game. And, and I think Christian, I mean, Christian knows his team better than we do, but the new strike has been when, when they switch it on, that they're a decent unit, but they can, they can have pretty bad days, as, as I guess we saw on Twickenham Green a couple of weeks ago. Um, no, no, me and you have been saying how good Shepherds Bush's bowling attack's been all year, right? We've been talking about their pace. We've been talking about you know, how, how good the spinners like Ali Easton are. Um, so what went wrong on Saturday? It did. I mean, just to mention, Easton wasn't available. He didn't play yesterday. So, I mean, that's not going to take away the fact that Stan was really well to get the runs they did. But he's been a massive influence this season on their, on their bowling yeah. department, especially in the spin, as you mentioned. So, without him, it would have been a bit a big blow. And when you've got a guy steering like Steven Reingold in the form he's at the moment, um, it's going to be hard work, isn't it? 3-3, three, 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 2 five, impressive though, isn't it? Gold. Yeah. I mean, Reingold, as I said, what, what a player. 134 not out this week. Um Anchi Raff, a guy I've mentioned a couple of times, always come back to play for, for his side. Stanmore, um, 77. And Michael Levitt, the overseer, 51. I mean, it's, 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 the common is... is I mean, actually, no, it's always there. The Bush was in the game, sorry, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean all, all the grounds I said at the minute, in terms of whether we're having, are probably quite sort of flat, maybe, in some ways, and out, out for the quick. So, the kind of score that couldn't be chased. But, um, you know, Stanmore's spin department is, is very, you know, testing and hard to sort of get play against when it's on form. And yesterday was a case of that. Tush Kari, ex-captain, took five wickets and his um, final wicket sealed the win. And the Bush, sorry, Samwar, and, and there's two points behind the Bush. So if they can get to third place, that'd be an amazing season for Absolutely. Them. I mean, another side will, will be quite pleased at that result is Craig Chen. Craig Chen are still fifth. I mean, obviously reigning champions. Um, and they're now a lot closer to third, aren't they? Because they, they came out on top pretty convincingly against Hornsey uh, at the weekend. Yeah, and for once it wasn't wasn't the spinners that yeah. took the plaudits. It was um, Pratik Patel. Steam bowl opened to bowling, um, six forty eight. Hornsey, one three seven all out. And then you know if you've got some like Joel Curtis in your opposition, you don't want to be scoring one three seven. You know you're looking at probably a defeat, and that was the case. Seven wicket loss. Curtis quick seventy two. More or less put the game to bed, and the win was completed inside twenty five. Yeah, he's a machine, isn't he, Joel Curtis? We've talked about him before on the pod, but he's um, he's someone who has made a really impressive impact on the on the league. This season, we should see where he goes from here. If we move into Division One, um, well, um, I was thinking Bron's moving North London might be a bit closer than it was, Sal, being brutally honest. But um, but Bron came out on top reasonably convincingly. Yeah, eighty-eight runs. Win says it all, doesn't it? Really, um, Nathan Fernandez actually scored eighty-eight total of two, four, five for seven, um, and they've got Adam Copley, who's, who's for them, it's been really, really good at up the top with a new ball. Uh, Misley spell four for eighteen in the end. His figures were thirteen point one overs. We just struggled to get them away. And um, we had a nice little stand at one point. Two of our batters, Jahid Ali and Matt Riley, seemed in a good position, but uh, Matt Riley sort of was out reverse sweep and a shot likes to play. And it's probably something some of the old faithful and London are not happy about. But you know he's happy playing that shot. It gets him run, so why not go for it? Uh, anyway, but his dismissal kind of uh, 
triggered a bit of a um, collapse in the side and we, uh, as I said, fell short in the end. So Bronze, we are now back on top and looking like they could be uh, eyeing up that spot in the Premiership. Yeah, looking strong, aren't they? Got, 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 to, got to give them their due there. They, they, you know, they, they're coming through at the business end of the season and looking um, looking pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, Harris and Marys are um, still second, but they, they also came a bit of a cropper, didn't they? Because Finchley beat them and Finchley are right on their tails now. I mean, the, 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 the battle for second place is amazing. It's fascinating, You know, we've got three sides competing for that spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, fourth, including North London. But at the moment, uh, Finchier will be thinking they can catch Harris St. Mary's after beating him um, yesterday. Um, one point behind now. Uh, Finchier had a really good start. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Harris St. Mary's had a really good start. Six for no wicket. And interesting to see Dave Burton come on second change. I can't remember the last time he would have come on second change in a, in a game of cricket, uh, especially a league game. But it seemed to work because he took 5.52. Um, and spinner Adam Hassan took 457, Harrison Reds all up for 164. Again, with the bowling that Harrison Reds possess, you know, there's something, something they would have thought is not out of their reach in terms of getting a win. But um, Finchie puts up in a good position in the table now with Bridgeshire, Brewery scoring 73 not out, and they're convincing six wicket win. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that, that puts the cat right amongst the pigeons because Acton also won pretty convincingly, didn't they, against Barnes? And they're, um, they're, they're just uh, four points behind second place Harrison Marys. Well, it was a horse race of some distance. That's another side that's all come up on the rails, aren't they? Slowly, slowly coming through the field, um, not catching the eye of many until the like, finishing line, and that's what they're doing. Seven wicket defeat with Barnes. Alex Brennan, um, another league legend we could call him, four for 20. Tweaks away with left arm spin. Barnes all that for 112. And no problems at all in chasing that target home. And next week, who are they playing against? They are playing against Bronsby, aren't they? Mm-hmm. That'd be a great game. The Bronte boys always reckon yeah. that I, so I hear, they reckon that I've got a soft spot for Acton. And um, so I'm, I'm going to follow that. Oh. Uh, I'm going to follow that accusation um, by saying I think Acton are going to surprise them. So we will see if. if the... Well, it's also, it's also a uh, um, overs game as well. So they have to have that a That's true. And that's a very different game of cricket. But in all seriousness, Acton do, they are coming up on the rails. And um, I'm intrigued to see how Bronsbury deal with them. And I'll be keeping a very close eye on the results. If we look at the other end, Sal, well, we had a big game at the bottom, right? Wembley played. Enfield, and if there was, if it was a boxing match, uh, I think this would have been stopped quite a long way before we got anywhere near the end because Enfield came out very much on top, right? They did indeed, eight wicket win against fellow relegation candidates Wembley, and they've now got a glimmer of hope. I mean, it's still a tough, tough call for them, but you can't help but not winning the game, can you? To give them any chance yep. of staying up, first win actually as well since week two. Is that right? So credit due to them when yeah first week since since week two so credit to the Enfield guys for sticking at it. They only used two bowlers yesterday. One um, seam left arm uh, over the wicket, Connor Brown, the overseas player, and Brett Warbridge who bowls leg spin. So the two of them bowled all the overs and combined to bowl Wembley for 101. Connor took three, Brett took seven, um, and you know 101. Even when you one game is never easy in some situations, but. You know, if you haven't won for a while, it can be a sort of target that you get a few nerves dragged in at, at the break. But uh, young, one of the young talents they've got, they've got some good young players in that club. Harry Wilkins, uh, keeper, he's, he's, had, he's had a bit tough here. He uh, did have a good chat with him last week. He's a good lad. Um, thinks about his cricket a lot. Really sort of knows what he's trying to do with his game. Really pleased that he got 55 not out. And Robbie Gunn came in a hit quick rapid, 31. And now they are only 15 points of safety. So there is a bit of hope for him yeah. now. I mean, I... I sent uh, Brad Sayers a message actually obviously one of the um, you know one of the stalwarts at, uh, at Enfield there and one of the guys who, who, who does step up to the plate um, to, to make good contributions and I said um, is it on then is the great escape on and his response which made me chuckle he said well I've um, you know I've applied for the Steve McQueen role uh, and we'll, we'll see where this one goes uh, and I thought that you're in with a shout aren't you and this week they play Winchmore Hill who are also you know, they're probably not going down, but they are definitely at the bo- in the bottom half of the table. Local derby as well. Um, so I just thought, I don't know, I, I sense maybe there's a bit of momentum building with Enfield. And uh, if they're going to stay up, I think they've got to win on Saturday. That's the bottom line. I think this Winchmore Hill game, we're back to win-lose cricket. I, th- I think that's a big one. And if they win that, then suddenly they're within a win of two or three teams maybe. So, um, so yeah, th- th- there's going to be, I think, some pretty interesting cricket down there at the bottom and, and in fact there was a lot of interesting cricket played in the fifth and final game in that division right Winchmore Hill against Austerley it was a, it was a close one Austerley's always going to give some thrills <laughs> aren't they you know, they're, they're, if, if, if we ever recorded games on TV they'd be probably the most viewed side wouldn't they or the most popular side to watch because there's always something exciting taking place at Austerley um, Winchmore Hill batted first 
two two three all out. I mean, they looked in a good position as well. Kevin Van der Geest actually uh, Dutch under nineteen player, so I'm not sure if um, Sean knows anything about him. But he scored sixty three, um, and Ross Forrester seventy four. Good spell from Sabir Bahrami. Um, seven fifty-five. So obviously he's still he's fight back. Him wickets, doesn't he? Now we know he's a quietly effective season. Yeah, I mean they, they, their attack on their day. I've, I've said it before. You've got Kedrick Williams, uh, Usman Arif, um, Fahim Barami, and Sabir Barami. Four really good bowlers. Yeah. It's just, just and on their day, if they fire, they're a real handful. Um, as we know, Austin are not going to hang around, are they? And they're going to go straight on, on, on the offensive. And Sabir did race seventy-five. It sounds like I spoke to a couple of Winchmore Hill guys today. It just seemed there was a shot selection that possibly boils down. This, the players get in and then just getting out to rash sort of rash shots. Uh, Abbe Tipness, we know, likes to buy lots of overs in, in this format. He did the same on Saturday, 20 plus overs, took 5 for 88. The game was in their balance, though, I'd say, at, you know, 40 needed off 10, obviously 7 down. Um, but in the end, it was Winchmore Hill who were celebrating the win. Yep. And uh, they'll be pleased with that. That puts them 30 points clear, which is basically safe 30 points clear of Wembley and they'll be looking to see if they can try and latch on to one of the you know one of the five sides in the top half of the table there one of the sides they're very likely to be playing next year if they stay up um, or no they will be playing next year if they stay up is Harrow Town Sal they're the first club to be promoted 130 points in Division 2 that puts them 47 off the top of my head points ahead of East Coast in third so congratulations to the Harrow Town boys they are uh, they are up and they're up with four weeks to spare. And they, they won pretty easily against Highgate uh, this week, didn't they? Yeah, 129-run defeat of Highgate. Sort of says it all, doesn't it? 2-5-5-7, Harrowtown. Um, and Highgate with bowling for 1-2-6. But yeah, I also offer my congratulations. It's an amazing achievement they've done. Back-to-back promotions. But not, you know, sneaking up on the last day. It's, it's too convincing back-to-back yeah. promotions. It says a lot. So yeah. it does make you think next season they'll, they'll, they should be fine in the next division up. Just the basis they've you know, demolished the last two divisions. You'd think they'd be pretty competitive. When I know all four of their sides won at the weekend. Their, their twos are on a charge up the table. They might be in the Premier League next year if they keep this going. So definitely a club on the up. Now, Sean, you'd have played against Harrowtown a couple of times last year. Um, I guess you, you, you probably, you know, saw them play some good cricket, right? Yeah, pretty pretty good side. Um, pretty young side. Um, but as you mentioned, some really good cricketers. Um, I think they are one of those sides that play well together. Um, you know, really good team spirit. Um, everyone just, you know, executes their roles. Um, you know, bowlers kind of know where to bowl. Um, batters know what their what their jobs are on the side. Um, you know, whether you're batting three, four, five. Um, so yeah, quite impressive. I think um, it just shows that you know, if you've got a good side and you build some momentum and you've got some good structures, um, you can climb not only the table but leagues pretty quickly. Um, so I think yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive to have won it um, already with, um, you know, four, four games to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's quite interesting, isn't it, to say promoted and relegated sides get on the year after. But Harrowtown have swept everyone aside in, uh, who was in front of them. But the other promoted side last year, if I got this right, were Ealing Trailfinders. And that they, they could be coming right back down. I mean, it's not a definite. They, they won yesterday. Um, but they're still six points away from safety. But w- would you have expected them to struggle? Or do, or do you think that's just it's just one of those things? They've gone up and they just had a tough year, as, as sometimes happens. Yeah, I think, um, again, it's that double-edged sword. Sometimes you go up and you really thrive. Um, and sometimes you go up and, you know, sometimes you lose one or two players, um, you know, that maybe move on, that are maybe key to the side and you don't kind of hold that core together and then struggle. Um, but, yeah, having said that, I don't think it's done yet. Um, it looks like Brentham and uh, India and Gimkana, they can still probably catch them um, with four, da- four games to go. I think the four one-day games is really going to help as well, moving back to one-day cricket. Um, you know, there's going to be a winner and a loser, um, which means, you know, you can win four games of cricket instead of drawing four games of cricket. Um, so I think that could help them. Um, but yeah, um, should be interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and their star player, Shabazz Mir, he, he's had a very good year. He scored a lot of runs and he scored 70 on Saturday. Um, he's a skipper. And I spoke to him earlier today and he, he said, look, you know, we, we are picking up a little bit. Things are getting a bit better. Um, so they did beat Brentham at the weekend. And, and as he said, it's very much in their own hands. If they can get three performances out of four, they'll probably stay up. So um, I think that they have definitely not given up the ghost yet. They, they think they've got a chance. And I think, I think they're probably right as well, to be honest. Yeah. If we go back to the top, um, Southgate still in a decent position, though, Sal, aren't they? They're still looking like they'll be um, uh, um, the, the team that, that goes up, even though they, they couldn't quite get past Harrow at the weekend. 
Yeah, bit of an exciting finish this one. So Harrow all out for one six. Yeah. Um, Harold out for 167, the old stager. I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying that. Dave Wolfenden, 841 of 21 overs, what spell that was. Um, and then Southgate will really go over to this year. Josh Fisher, who played for Acton last season, um, scored 100. And with him in, it looked like you know the points are coming home to Southgate. 14 needed off the last over. Um, he smashes the first ball for six, so eight needed a five. Then he's running, going for a second, gets run out, trying to go for the second, and then from after that. Um, Southampton, or, sorry, Harrow were able to sort of keep the, keep the reins on the Southgate bass in the last over, and it was Southgate who came away with the win and draw. But more importantly, still have a 23 point lead over. Yeah, East I Coast. think they're still pretty much in the clear, but it's like an odd game with, with, with lots lots going on. So, um, so yeah, Southgate's still second. Um, we have got a relegated side in this division. I think I'm right in saying that they, they no, they're not the only relegated side. I take a lot, I tell a lie. Hornsey are relegated out of the top flight, aren't they? They're on 12 points. They've got 40 up for grabs, and that'll lead them on 52, which is one point behind Twickenham. So Hornsey have been relegated from the Premier Division at the weekend, but the Middlesex Titans are also relegated from Division 2. They can only get 49 points now, and Brentham are 8th on 52. And, and the Titans, they went down to Indian Jim Carner, didn't they, yesterday? It's a game I'm sure Jim Carner sort of targeting to get, to get all the maximum points, and it worked out well for them. 114 run defeat. Uh, Jim Connor batted first, Ahmed Zaki 97 and the overseas Tedraj Sharon 88. Um, there was a bit of cheer for Titan bowling and Tatvimo Lauji took four wickets. Um, Titan found it hard second half, 35 for seven, but had a bit of a um, cameo from Omar Chataya, who scored 74 not out and took him to 129 all out. But um, the, in the bowling front side, Akbar, uh, an opening bowler for Indian Jim Connor took 539 and as I said, that, that win gives them a big boost going into, into the overs cricket now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're dead right. They will have been targeting it. Of course, they got 12 points because they batted first. So, so well done to them. Um, the other game in the division, East Coast v Southampton, I guess two sides who are still looking towards Southgate. They probably didn't do either of themselves at much of a favour because the game was drawn. But at the same time, it did look like a pretty interesting one. East Coast just about got the better of it, did they? Uh, I mean, I think they dominated towards the end of yeah. it. So, Ariane Salwan, one of the boys who's on Middlesex's books for East Coast, young talent, heard lots of good things about him, 134 uh, in the total, 254 for seven. Um, Nish Patel, I'm sure you spoke about in the yeah. past, Dan, haven't we? Uh, one of the uh, sort of Southampton legends, scored 50 along with Rizman Muhammad. But it looks all over. It looks all over and done and dusted at 182 for nine. Uh, Southampton really sort of, you know, in the, in the mire, as you might say. But a real digging of the day or rear guard effort from these two guys. Stefan King and Tanbay have had added 42 for the last wicket and they managed to hold on and deny East Coast the win. 42 for the last wicket? I didn't quite realise that. That is impressive. Do you know how long they were there? Probably a while, I guess. No, I would think so. Um, I didn't see exactly on the card how long they were there. But what I did like was that number 11 hit three sixes, <laughs> which is pretty impressive when you're trying to hold out for a draw. There are some clubs where I would expect that, actually. And South Amsterdam is one of them. You're batting out for a losing draw. What's the best way? Well, you know, whack the ball 150 yards. Yeah. Not the way I'd do it. Well, the field's but... in I imagine, isn't it? You've got players round about, haven't you? He's probably trying to get catching. So you've got loads of opportunities to hit the ball. Go yeah, to I, their I, own. I think, if, I think if you open or bat number 11, if, uh, if there's no one on the boundary, the temptation is there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It never was for me, Sean, funnily enough, but that may say much more about me than anything else. But I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, good stuff. Now, if we move um, into Division 3, now, we're going to start with AP, Sean, because looking at this, it does not look like a great day yesterday. 95 all out, London Tigers chased it. And if you'd won, and you're probably well aware of this, because Wickham Mouse were playing Kempton, you'd have been in the promotion spot. So, um, so what happened? It doesn't sound like um, it was a good day at the office. Yeah, I think that was uh, that was the chat in the morning, uh, Dan, as as if you were in the changing room. Pretty much, uh, if we win today, boys, and Kenton um, were playing Wickham House, um, and we you know back Wickham House to either draw or get a win, um, we would be sitting pretty. Um, but yeah, we just didn't rock up, um, to be completely honest. Um, I think London Tigers are one of those sides on their day that you know if they turn up, they can beat you. Um, and yeah, they turned up and we didn't. Um, I played us in all um, departments of, of the game. Um, one of their opening bowlers, I think it's Mumtaz, not Mumtaz, um, Sal. Yep. Yeah, Mazar. Yeah, Mazar and Uzay, their skipper bowled really well. I think Mazar took five and uh, Uzay might have taken three or four as well. Um, and yeah, skittled us for, for 95 and then 
knocked it down um, two down off about you know 14, 15 overs. So I think well played to them. Um, it's one of those sides where even in Div 4 last year, we always had a good battle with them. Um, we sort of beat them by the similar scoreline at home um, and, you know, going to their place sort of put one on us. Um, but yeah, um, still still all to play for. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think, you know, going back to sort of the limited format, uh, the 45 overs means that everyone's going to be in with a shout. You know, there's going to be one loser and, and, and one winner. So essentially 40 points up for grabs and whoever can grab as many as possible um, will will be happy at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally buy what you say about London Tigers. I think they can be very difficult customers. You know, they can be they can be pretty impressive one week, and and then not not nearly so impressive the next. They're, they're just awkward customers, aren't they? And I think their league position reflects that. Um, for what it's worth, way back in April, Sal and I did a predictions podcast, and and I I, I felt they had something about them, so I tipped them for promotion. Obviously, that's not going to work, but I, I do think you know they're not they're not a diff, uh, not an easy side to play against. You're never quite sure what 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 you're going to get. Um, in terms of Wickham House and Kenton, now before we get to their game, what have you made of them? Have you played both of those twice yet? You have, haven't you, I think? Yeah, so we played both of them twice. Um, I think Wickham House is probably the strongest side in the league. Um, right. Again, uh, um, you know, a good bunch of young, talented guys. Um, got a really, really good opening bowler, Zane. You know, well skippered by uh, sort of Hamza as well. And then um, their opening batter as well is it Yassir, I think. Um, mm. quite, a, quite a good player. Um, so strong sort of all-round side. Um, Kenton as well. Um, I think Kenton um, probably a stronger bowling unit than, than batting. Um, I think when we played against them, we always felt that, you know, if we picked up one or two key wickets, we could, you know, run through them with the ball. But I think Wickham House and Kenton, I think deservedly one and two. Um, I think they played probably probably the better cricket throughout the season. I think they've been slightly more consistent than the rest. Um, you know, if you look at the table, there's quite a big pack from sort of three to, you know, seven, eight, um, where, you know, everyone is sort of beatable, um, whereas they've been just a bit more consistent um, to sort of be there. Yeah, I mean, that's the impression we've got. I mean, Sal, the game on Saturday was was dominated by Wickham House, really, wasn't it? I mean, they scored a lot of runs, and I guess Kenton were holding on a bit at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, as you said, 100% summary correct there. Wickham House, 280 for 9 or 51, a uh, good deck, you could say. And then Kenton were 161 for 8 in the end of 49. So uh, Hamza Khan, a quick 82 or 64 balls for Wickham House. And Hamid Amadaz, Amadaz, Amadzai, sorry, 72 of 88 balls. Cabbage Cry left arm spin for Kenton took five wickets. Um, Viraj Patel, who actually umpired last week, I thought it was a reasonable bat, scored 62, bat at number seven. And along with Mohammed Mohammedi, they sort of held out and batted out for the draw in the end. So... They are now 13 points behind the leaders. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a classic case. If you can't win, don't lose in that format of the game. You know, if, if you're not going to get 280, then don't, don't give it all away. What's the point of doing that, particularly when you're playing against a side around you? So, yeah, they dug in. And, and Mohammed, he said, 10 not out of 40 balls at the end there. So it sounds like he was very much, you know, thou shall not pass. And, and, and who can blame him? Um, in terms of, Now, you, you umpired in this division, didn't you, Sal? So, so SKLPC and Actonians, 100 versus 53, right? Yeah, as I was saying, I think it doesn't, or it doesn't, the, the wicket, the, sorry, the result doesn't actually demonstrate that it was a bad wicket at all, there any demons in it. It was just the bowlers dominated, uh, the batsmen sort of got into their heads, it looked it was a tricky track, um, and sort of just sort of almost like hypnotised themselves into not trying to score mm. runs, really. Uh, spinners definitely dominated the day of the 20 wickets that were taken, 15 with a spin, uh, SK, uh, Acton 100 all out. Uh, one of their guys who went in there and battled with intent, the keeper, he, he sort of smashed a few, which is probably the best way to go, really. Uh, uh, SKLPC's captain, um, Naya, called him Bobby, referred to Bobby, took five wickets, and they had a spin at the other end, also took five. Um, but then that trainer sort of came out again, you know, what they did bowl is they didn't give any sort of freebies early on. They really bowled with intent, good lines, good areas, really made the SKLPC guys, SKLPCC guys really sort of work hard for their runs, and the sort of pressure mounted and the sort of shots went up in the air and the ball was getting caught. Um, and, yeah, so that turns out a guy who's joined, actually, is interesting. I was finding back last yesterday, I talked to one of the guys afterwards, Captain Scott. Um, so they've got a spinner now, a called Chandan Pandey, I think his name is. Um, he took 10 last year in a game in oh, Division 6 for yeah. Harrow Millennium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he took 51 wickets last year. 
uh, has joined at Champions this season. He's played four games and taken 20 wickets. So it just goes to show there are some rough diamonds lurking down in them lower leagues. You know, you could potentially play a high level, and that's a good example of one. Uh, as I said, he, he, he took five wickets yesterday. Just a quick word on SKLPCC, because I know uh, they're a new club, aren't they? Relatively in the league itself. I had a quick chat with their captain, as I said, Bobby, um, and who we might get him on the pod one day when he's free. Just a bit of history on their club. Only started in 1985, founded by 11 sort of members of the community who uh, found the ground, made the ground effectively themselves, uh, played the wickets and got the ground ready. Started off playing Sunday cricket in the Sunday League, and then went into senior cricket. They now operate four sides on a, uh, on a Saturday, have a thriving junior section, um, it's, and it's all sort of community-based. Everyone's sort of part of the community because they've got like a higher, um, or the, so there's a higher structure in the league. So they've got the cricket section, they've got actually a committed or that oversees everything that takes place there. Um, and they're actually hoping, they've got very ambitious plans for the future. He was talking to me yesterday, as I said, the captain, of opening up a new sort of clubhouse, a new facility, on the ground itself and they're trying to raise the funds to do that he did say to me um within their within their community there's lots of millionaires who want to give money away Ooh. so we'll hold a back hold a back page yeah we'll hold a back page and that see what develops so yeah the plan is to get a new facility um with a, a new, new clubhouse and um it seems like there are some people willing to help them out and make make that sort of dream come true so if that's the case it'll be great oh, yeah i think uh, yeah i think uh having, having played there a couple of weeks ago i was actually uh very impressed with um, the ground as well as um, that community feel. Um, they had quite a few, quite a few uh, sort of supporters out there, and you could see quite a, quite a well-run club. Um, you could see everyone was doing their bit. Um, so yeah, probably as well as on the spinner Sal, that you mentioned that played for um, Actonians. Uh, he actually played his first game against us and took I think six. Um, bowled really, really well. And yeah, when uh, the scorer you were referring to, she was actually saying that it was his first game for the ones. And we were like, well, he can actually bowl. Um, takes it both Great, ways. Thinking. Great, uh, wonderful, good. nice. Why didn't he turn them next yeah. week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good stuff. I mean, Actonians. It's interesting you mentioned them, Sal, because um, um. I don't know if Matt Robinson from Actonians was telling us that in the last 10 years, none of their four sides have been promoted or relegated. Now, they've all stayed in the same division for the last decade. And I had a quick look. I mean, Actonians 1, they're not going anywhere. Actonians 2, they're not going anywhere. The 4s, they're not going anywhere. But the 3s might be. The 3s are in a position to, um, you know, to, to, to get out of Division 3 of the third tier. They're 19 points clear of Hampstead. Uh, so they're second Hampstead of third. So if you want to party... On, in week 18, and I reckon Actonians might be the place to be after waiting 10 years for any movement of, of any of their sides, that could be the one to, uh, to, to look out for. So we'll keep an eye on, on how they get on. But, um, but yeah, it did strike me as being a bit amazing, actually, given that two go up and two go down every year to have had no movement for any of your teams for, um, for a decade or so. Um, going back to, to the here and now rather than to, to, to week 18, um, I did notice that you, you guys, uh, Sean, you're playing... Um, Ealing Hanwellians next week, aren't you? And they, they beat Tower Hamlets yesterday. And I think if they'd lost, then they they would have gone down. They'd have been mathematically relegated. But they, they scored 171. Tower Hamlets only got 145. So they're still in with a chance. And, and I think they, yeah, you guys are coming across them next week. So on the one hand, that they'll be fighting for their lives. But on the other hand, I mean, probably not, not the worst type of side to be trying to get back on, in, in the saddle against, right? Yeah, I think um, we need to back ourselves to to beat them. Funny enough, before this past weekend, uh, we were the only side that they had beaten um, some oh. time ago back at this place. So yeah, I think we uh, we we're, we're going to be up for it. Um, we we definitely want to make sure that we that we want to win it. Um, but yeah, I mean they they they, they were a decent side. Um, they had two two very good um, opening bowlers um, that troubled us a bit. Um, with the batting a bit more attacking, um, we didn't set much, and they they looked to go for it. Um, so they came out, uh, you know, playing playing their shots. But yeah, definitely a game that we, you know, if we want to get promoted, you need to be winning games like this. Um, you know, beside that's um, rock bottom, um, you know, twenty nine points. Yeah, you know, you need to be beating them if you're if you're serious about going up. Um, but as you mentioned, they still have something to play for mathematically. It's not over yet. So um, I think they'll definitely come uh, to our place and uh, see if they can get the 10 points. I think with the weather as well, the wicket at AP at the moment is, um, you know, a bit dry. Um, you know, it becomes a bit tricky in the afternoon. 
So, um, yeah, could be an interesting game. But, yeah, we should back ourselves to win it. Yeah, I totally get that. You back yourself to win it, but you're always, you know, always got to be respectful that these guys have got plenty to play for too. So, you know, I think um, going into a game expecting to win is, is never a great mindset, really. So I totally hear that. I was going to ask about your, your sort of personal goals for the rest of the season. Obviously, the key thing is that the team wins. We, we, we all, we, we all recognise that cricket's a team sport, but you're not far off 700 runs for the season, which is it was a pretty impressive number in and of itself if the season finished tomorrow. But what's the goal? I mean, is a 1,000 runs realistic? Have we got four innings? Um, oh, I've not wanted to really set massive uh, personal goals before before the before the season starts. Um, I think it's trying to get the club promoted. Um, yep. I think, um, you know, I always say, what's the point of scoring a 1,000 runs if, you know, you don't get promoted? Um so I mean, if I get a thousand runs, I'll take it. Uh, means I need um, three three hundreds. That would be that would be good. Um, I think any batter would take that. Um, but yeah, I think just try and you know finish finish the season off as strongly as possible. You know, if if you don't get that thousand run mark, then just make sure in the in the four games that you contribute with the bat and you know try and help the side in whichever way possible to ensure we can uh, you know get those forty points. Yeah, sounds pretty logical to me. Um, um, but I would say you know I, I think that. You know, if you score, if you score sort of, you know, seriously in the next three or four games, then then AP will be in a better place too, won't they? So they, they do go hand in hand. Scoring runs generally is good for good for the team. So so best of luck um, with, with that moving forward. Um, if we move to Division Four, K plus still on top, Sal? They are indeed, yes. Yeah. So they're still in, in a good position, looking to get into a, maybe potentially play against Sean next season. Who knows? Um, so they they uh, seven points clear of Isleworthians. They beat Kensington Chelsea uh, quite convincingly in the end. 171 played 80. Um, Rajesh Kumar Patel took 5% for K plus, and that's not a bad spell, Decent. is it? Decent indeed. Um, and Isle Worthians, they're still on their heels. They, they they had a pretty convincing victory as well. They beat Friends United uh, 188 versus 103, so they're, they're still in second. Uh, Lanka Lions are up to third. They're now um, they're 14 points behind Isleworthy, and so they have still got a bit to do. But I'd, I'd say they are still just about in it. And they um, they beat Pinner Challengers in another relatively low scoring game, I guess, 145 uh, versus 106. So so Lanka Lions won with 145 on the board, which is which is quite impressive. And I think they are pretty strong bowling wise as a um, as a rule. At the bottom, um, quite an interesting game between. Well, involving North London Muslims, they're now 16 points off safety, but they, they blew an absolutely fantastic opportunity for closing that gap. They, they lost to West Harrow. Um, West Harrow were 233 for eight off 50, and North London Muslims were 230 all out. So they're, they're all out just three short with plenty of overs to go, sort of over 13 overs um, left. Now, West Harrow were 121 for seven and recovered to 233, with um, Camelot to size 65 and eight, batting at nine. Which always thinks a good a good contribution, um, and then North London Muslims Imran uh, Muller got seventy for them, which uh, it was a nice start at the top of the order. But they were two 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 for six, you know, needing two three four to win, and they were two thirty all out. So that that means that they've gone from being on the cusp of getting out of the bottom two to being you know well and truly in it, sixteen points away from safety. So I, I think there'll be a few people uh, um, who were pretty disappointed with that result in the North London Muslims camp. Um, into Division 5, Willow Leather still going strong, Sal. They're at seven points clear of London Sportif. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your team are doing you proud, Dan. Seven points oh, yes. um, Although they're both, both on at the weekend, though, so it's getting interesting, though. Uh, it's, not, it's not over yet. Willow Leather chased down 184 against Northwick Park for lots of free wickets. Um, Swapnil Pro Pokharka, 93 for Willow Leather. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's in the yep, position. Absolutely. And as you say, London Sportif uh, won. Pretty easily as well, to be honest. They beat New Calypsonians. Another side, I think New Calypsonians can, you know, can, can be good or not so good, depending on a given day. Uh, 102 versus 106 for three, and they chased that down in 13 overs. Um, Essa Khalil, uh, 757 for London Sportif, which is a decent effort. Um, Swami Bupper, um, their promotion charge, I, I think it's drifting away, from being brutally honest. They, they were up in the top two for quite a, a, a portion of this season, but they lost to Peshwa. It was 255 for nine off 48. Uh, versus two two nine for nine, so Peshwa got there with one wicket to spare. Um, Peshwa needed twenty two, and the last man, Vinit Moray, went out to the crease. Uh, Vinit he only scored one, but he hung around for quite a long time. And at the other end, Shiv Shivana thirty six not out, 
uh, of 24 balls. He did the heavy lifting and they um, they got home with one wicket to spare. Uh, spoke to um, Shrikant Kerride, Swami Bapa's captain, and he, he was he was pretty downbeat about about Swami Bapa's fielding. It sounds like a few catches went down, um, so, some some pretty poor outfielding ultimately across them. And you know you don't give up the chase for promotion until it's mathematically impossible. But I think I think they're settling for the fact they might ultimately be in Division Five again next year. Um, Division six. What do we need to know about our dirty little secret there, Sal? The division that always keeps us entertained. Well, we've got another great story <laughs> this weekend, haven't we? Um, so yes, yeah, so yesterday as I got in the evening, I normally like to sort of pop on the TV and sort of go into YouTube and sort of catch highlights of some games that were taking place during the day. So on my screen there was a game that was still live, apparently. So uh, kicked on the action. It was London Super Kings playing South Harrow, and this was around twenty past eight. Um, and I'm assuming it was still live because the action was still taking place. Uh, I looked outside, it was still quite light. So um, I'm assuming the game still carried on. And actually finished at 8.50, wow. um, which seems probably one of the latest things I can ever think. I don't know if you two have uh, come across a game that's finished that late in your careers or your lives, but I certainly haven't. Well, I remember a game that finished just after 9 o'clock in Shropshire once, and it was a little bit later in, in the season. It was probably week 17 or 18. And it, I mean, why on earth we, we were playing it? I, I don't know because I remember the winning four um, hit the hit the pavilion, uh, hit, hit the, um, the sight screen behind the batter, and no one had a clue where the ball was going because it had just gone past the batsman who hadn't seen it, past the keeper who hadn't seen it, and it just pinged at the bottom of the sight screen, so everyone knew where it was when they had the ping, and that four won the game for for my club actually, and that was that must have been about nine o'clock, but that was ridiculous. That that was it was dark, mate. I mean, playing at eight fifty. In the middle of August, it, it, it sounds like it was pretty murky then as well. Sean, have you ever played a game of cricket that late? Um, I think I played a game once in the Netherlands where I finished at 20 past eight. Um, I think that's mm. the latest, 20 past, 20 past half past eight. Um, but yeah, European summers are, they give you lots of light, Dan, so make use yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. That's a fair call. That's a fair call. I always think as well, actually, that people go on about, oh, you know, you can't see where the ball is in the field. Um, oh, sorry, when you're batting. And that's right, but you have a rough idea which direction it's coming from when you're batting. When you're at cover point, I haven't got a clue. You know, the, 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 you know, the, bat, you know the bat's flailed and it could be coming right yeah. at your head and you've got absolutely no idea. Whereas at least if you've got your batting, you sort of have a vague idea and the, the muscle memory kicks in a bit. But um, yeah, it was the fielding that always worried me with those late ones. Yeah, I think that's probably, uh, I think that's probably the worst, fielding at backward point gully when it's uh, just after eight. Yeah, if you're if you're in front of the batter, you can still kind of see. But yeah, in those positions, you're you're praying and hoping that uh, you know guys aren't going to slash one and it's coming straight at you. Yeah, it's bad enough in that part of the outfield anyway, isn't it? You know, it always comes like a rocket when you're at backward point and someone's yeah. flailing. But uh, yeah, when it's dark, that really ain't so good. How about you, Sam? What's the latest you've finished off the top of your head? Any thoughts? Not that late. I mean, I, I think maybe not even after just before eight. Maybe I kind of. I mean, I'd say quarter to eight, maybe. I remember playing the game at your place a few years back, quite a few years back actually, uh, Twickenham, and it was quite low because we had Simon Mound playing for us that day, and he was moaning. He likes to moan sometimes, uh, the t- TMS uh, commentator, and he had a right moan about the light, was saying we can't see the ball, and just we actually finished the game, but I can't remember the final score. But I remember that being probably the latest one, but I can't recollect what the time it was. Um, nothing like eight fifty oh, though, which is yeah, definitely that's getting that's getting late. That's for sure. Um, and so that was uh, London Super Kings against South Harrow, and London Super Kings won, right? It was a great. I mean, the last day was really entertaining. Green actually, I was quite in, uh, edge of my seat almost. I think they needed something like eight yeah. to win in the end. Um, South Harrow, and they lost three wickets in the last over, so they just fell short in the end. So they should have actually won the game. Looking at the situation was going to last. So, remember, all these grounds don't have any sight screens yeah. either. So, you know, picking the ball up is probably not the easiest thing to do that time in the evening. But still, yeah, um, Super King's bowler held his nerve and got his side over the line. Yeah, so now the 21 yeah. points clear at the time. If they needed 20 odd runs to win off, how many did they need off last over? About eight. Oh, eight. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Because if they lost a few wickets, they did, yeah. they did get yeah. mighty close. They only lost by three runs, didn't they? Yeah, they need about, yeah, they need about eight to win and they lost three wickets wow. from what I remember. Wow. The drama, the drama. Um, Good stuff. So they're 21 points clear of United Sporting Club now. They beat Kingsbury Construction by two wickets, 146 against 147 for eight. And they jump above Youth Wing, who, quite frankly, are blowing it. If, if anyone from Youth Wing is listening, 
um, we, we, we'd love to hear a bit more about, about how things are going, but it seems like, you know, you're in a great position and, and, and suddenly the results are going against you. So Harrow Millennium beat them by eight wickets, they chased down 113. Um, and there is a bit of a disappointing story. So I don't know if you picked up on this. We made a big thing last week, Tamil United, they were on naught points. Um, and of course they won last week and we thought, right, they're going to kick on. They're going to, um, you know, they're going to find a way to, to, to get a two or three more wins. Well, not only have they not been able to do that, but they called off so late against Regent's Park, they've been deducted 10 points. So they're back to naught again. So we, oh, we can have yeah. a ground dog day moment, Sally. If they manage to win another one of their games, we can go back and say, you know, they've gone from naught to 10. Just don't get deducted points again. So they're, they're back on the big round number, I'm afraid, looking like they're probably going to finish bottom of the pile. So much for the, um, the, the the specific games in the league yesterday. Um, what about the high and low scores? Who, who topped the, the rankings there this week, Sam? Dad, before you catch me on, there's one game we missed out in Division 6, and Stallions also side who give lots of entertainment yep. this season. I mean, I've seen their card in their game. It was a crazy game. Um, they were chasing 200 to win against Sierra's Cardinals, um, and they were 196 for right. 6, and ended up, being bowled out. They actually needed 201 to win, ended up being bowled up for 200. Wow. They lost four wickets for three runs trying to chase down the Cardinals' total. And actually, they only batted 27 Hold overs on, They're well. chasing 201. They're 200 all out. Yeah. So 202. 202, sorry. I apologise. So they need 202 to win. 196 for six. Um, bowled out for 200. 200 all out in 27 overs. 27 overs. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even going to comment. You know, just, just, just play four defensives for every single ball. And sooner or later, there's going to be a wide, isn't there? Or, or you're, going to, you're, going to, you're going to nick one to third man for a single. Maybe I'm just far too old-fashioned. But uh, Wow, I, I don't know. I missed that one. That sounds brilliant. Too. Were you watching that one? No, that's not that's been stream. That unfortunately just a sport. I do love the fact up, you yeah. go home and watch YouTube. I think my wife would shoot me if I, if I put cricket on the tent. No, oh, no. Yeah, mate. Saturday night, YouTube. Well, given the standard like... TV on these, I am getting old. They're not saying things like that. Like, great stuff, great stuff. Um, highs and lows, Sal, what was the top score in the league? So, Stanmore uh, in, in, in the Prem, also uh, the first 11 high score, 3-2 three, three, for 5 against Shepherds Bush. Lower scores game of that yesterday, so I'm going to witness that myself. Uh, 53 all out, SK or PCC. Uh, and the high score overall in the uh, MCCL yesterday was Harrow. Who made three five five for four mm. their third eleven against Perrywell's third eleven? They actually gave a good fist of it, and they responded with three eight for six. So that must have been some wicket to bat. I'm sure Sean would have loved playing there yesterday. Looking at the runs so there, three five five for four, and it's in thirty eight overs um, against three oh eight yeah. for six. I mean, if you're going to have to chase three five four, fifty four overs, they're giving you a bit to go at, aren't they? So they're, they're definitely decking at the right time. But uh, wow. Um, there we go. And the lowest score that wasn't SKLP, there was a lower score than 53, right? Yes, so in the second 11, um, bowled out for 47, actually against SKLPC's second 11, who knocked off to run to a loss of two wickets quite easily in Division 2. Early day all round then for the two SKLP sides, uh, in the first and the second there. Um, cool. Anything else going on that we need to know about? Um, your, your, Richmond, not such a great story in the T20 today, right? Yeah, so they went to Hornchurch today, where we had Hornchurch, Potter's Bar, Richmond and Horsford from, I think, East Anglian Premier League taking part in the regional stage of the T20 National Comp, uh, and they bowed out. So they've actually been eliminated today by Horsford. Um, so the uh, any hopes of MCCL sort of success in that competition are now over for another season. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, it's a, t- a tough competition to do well in. There's some pretty good sites. Hornchurch certainly uh, got, a, got a fantastic pedigree there. Um, Anything else in the AOB list for us today? Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, we always um, speak up about players' recognition and achievements that take place if they play for the county or, you know, we've had players playing against Middlesex 2s and against Middlesex 1st 7 last year, but actually we want to talk about one of the officials today, a couple of, actually a couple of our officials, I would say. So, first of all, Paul Nichols, who's a regular um, umpire on the circuit, does lots of Premier League games, been on the panel for a real long time, one of the most senior umpires and respected umpires that we have in our league. Uh, so he's part of what is called a national panel. And a national panel is made up of 59 umpires all over the country who will do national counties games, I think second 11 games. Um, and so due to the amount of crickets being played, uh, we've got 100, we've got other cricket taking place. Um, some of the national panel umpires have been promoted to the professional panels here. 
and six of those umpires have picked from 59, and Paul's one of those umpires. So Paul actually umpired his first professional game today. It was a game at the Oval between Warwickshire mm-hmm. and Surrey, and ended in wow. a tie. Remember, I think the technical yeah. ended in a tie. So it was his first, first game today. So it's brilliant for the league to have someone, um, you know, Paul's uh, standing and excellence taking part, representing the MCCL flag in the professional game. And he's got two more games this time. Because I saw him on Friday. He's got two more games that he's going to be umpiring. I can't remember where they are, but they're two Royal London games as well. So he'll be doing three games in total. Um, and his, his hopes are hopefully next year to actually get onto the panel um, full time. So Paul, fantastic news. Well done. Congratulations from yeah, myself and sure everybody else in I've the league. I've got a silly question well. there. So is he, is um, he allowed to do Middlesex games? He can't. Okay, no, no, he can't. So the three games he's got. Yeah, yeah, I asked him actually because I thought it might be said. So you can't do Mrs. Games. It's all, it's all counties, not Mrs. So, so today's game is his first one. Uh, and what a game to be involved in. The game ends in the tie. So I uh, might have to check some of that footage today. I want to see if I can see him. But yeah, so Paul, Paul's done a great job. And also a couple more of our umpires. Matthew Watson, again, we've had on the pod in the past. Um, he was involved in the, the national quarterfinals two weeks ago. So that was a, a more sort, sort of success and recognition for our umpires. And then Vinaj Srinivasan, who's one of our sort of newer umpires and of, of sort of higher note who does lots of prem as well he actually did his first four day game I think last week he was telling me between uh, two of the counties second 11 so that's that's again more recognition for our umpires in the league so players often like to moan about umpires we are quite lucky in some of the ones that we have in our league and that's obviously been shown by the kind of games they've been given and you know the the spotlight they've been put into in terms of their skills being highlighted and on a, on a weekend on a daily basis so those three guys, as I said, uh, yeah. congratulations for your research. I think it's students. always worth remembering, Sal. There are good players and bad players, right? Good players have bad days. Bad players have good days, right? There are good umpires and bad umpires. We all have good days. We all have bad days. But if you ask me, do I want a game with umpires or do I want to do it? What, what, the, there's no, no, no debate, is there? You, you want umpires there. So um, I, I think that's absolutely spot on. It's great to see guys making progress and have to keep an eye out for... For, for, for where they and others, because there's obviously others who are, who are moving up through the pyramid as well, um, where they get on. Um, one thing I was going to flag in, um, I, I was up in Shropshire this weekend watching um, watching the most uh, high-profile game in English football, Shrewsbury Town v Accrington Stanley. Uh, we, we, we were dire, in case anyone is interested in that, Shrewsbury Town, long, hard season ahead. Don't mention it for that reason. But we, we got a, a listener in, in Shrewsbury, Phil Caudle, former uh, um, colleague of mine at, at Sentinel CC, and um, it made me think, Sal, the reason I mention it is that we always go on about how old we are and we can't play anymore. Phil was doing a park run when I saw him on Saturday morning. He was playing in the afternoon for Sentinel Second Eleven, and he was almost going to be playing on the Sunday in the game as well, but he, he wasn't ultimately needed in the end. And I thought, yeah, respect you. If, you, if you're late 40s, early 50s, and you're running in the morning and you're playing two games in the weekend, I salute you. So I was wondering if anyone else in Middlesex is... Is, is of that age and is still doing similarly bonkers things over a weekend. Because, um, as I say, if I play one game a week, uh, then, then I, I think that's ample for, for me. So, Phil, I know you listen to the podcast. Um, I salute you. That's a decent effort. So much for my OB. Um, Sean, anything else you'd like to flag, uh, fling in as, as, a, as a, final, uh, a, a final comment um, that we need to know about? Um, no, I think pretty much. I mean, we, we've actually got a, our club president, Brian King, is... Oh, Kingy, I think it was his birthday about a month ago. I think he might have turned 86. Um, and he often plays Saturday, Sunday. Um, what, what? Keeps wickets. <laughs> keeps wicket, opens the batting. Keeps wicket as well. well <laughs> yeah, keeps wicket, opens the batting. Sean, you're blowing um, out of the water because Phil is definitely not in his 80s. You know, he might feel it at times. But, I mean, that is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of pride in, 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 in the amount of buys. He lets buys as well. Um Proper, proper stall. We'd always have a joke with him when I say, Kingy, if I'm playing cricket at 86, I said, I, I'm doing very, very well. Um, but yeah, hats off, hats off to him. Um, good, good to be still playing. I always ask him, I say, Kingy, you must have, um, you know, lots of uh, kids and, and, and grandkids that you run away from on a Saturday to be. <laughs> he says, no, I just love the game. <laughs> oh, I, I, that's brilliant. I mean, I, know, I, I think, you know, anyone who's playing at that age, it just shows what, what an addictive drug cricket can be. You know, you just cannot keep away from it. And, um, you know, and, and that, that is great. If anyone can beat that, then one, respect you, but two, I want to hear about it. So let, let me and Sal know if anyone in Middlesex is still playing reasonably regular cricket in their 80s. Because we did hear of somebody in, at Middlesex Titans, Sal, didn't we? He was in that similar bracket. I can't remember how old he... Yeah, we had yeah. an email, didn't we, from him last season? 
and like, I mean, he does like 100 press ups a day or something and runs a marathon every week. No, something like that. He's super top fit, but yeah, he was. He was very, he was very active still. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was maybe at least late seventies, early eighties. I would say, but yeah, so there is a competition out there for your man from AP. Wow. <laughs> that is brilliant, Sean. Thanks very much for your insight. It's been really interesting hearing about one about AP uh, um, and, and their season, but also about you know your, your sort of broader um, exploits of Portugal because I'm sure that quite a lot of people listening will not know that much about that, and and they'll be googling frantically to find find out a little bit more. Um, from here on in, um, best of luck with the rest of the season. So promotion still not um, still not off the radar, and um, we'll, we'll be following your your progress with some interest. And uh, hope to have you back on the show at some point uh, in the future to talk about progress. Yeah, no, thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Dan, uh, as well as Sal. It's it's been a pleasure. Um, always good to hear about what's happening in in the leagues around Middlesex. Um, and yeah, I think the podcast is really good to also promote cricket and um, you know ensure that the, the listeners out there are kept up to date um, about not necessarily just who's won and who's lost but you know who's done well and the, the ins and outs of what happens on a, on a Saturday Good, good, well yeah, we'll, we'll try our best to keep doing it, that's for sure um, Sal and I can always find something to talk about So, uh, Dan, before I go, before I go last minute, yeah. sorry, got a last minute in. message coming through from, from Luke Stout, Luke Stout so I mentioned he scored 79 not out, he's actually out for 81 because their scorecard had not been updated but it has been just now so um, and a correction on the Ealing performance. They still won the game, obviously, but Luke Skelton was given 10 to 9. He was actually 81. I'm loving your attention to final. detail, Sal, because I, I don't know if we were going to end up in the high court for getting that wrong, but I, I mean, if, yeah. if, if it's 81, it's got to be said as 81, and I totally buy you, uh, buy that. But great stuff. And he's, um, yeah, he's run into a bit of form, Luke, isn't he? Well, I think it's until today he'd scored really well, but he just said to me he's got an injury, so he might be done for the yeah. season. So. That could be uh, his uh, season over from what it sounds like, but who knows? He may well make a miraculous recovery back this weekend. All good, all good. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for coming on board. We'll chat next week, sir. Cheers, John. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, Dan. Take care. Bye-bye.